If, like me, you grew up playing football in your front yard, dreaming of one day playing for the Clemson Tigers, this story is for you. Also, like me, if you walked across Clemson's campus as a student and wondered what it would be like to play in Death Valley, this story is for you, too. David Estes grew up in a Clemson family. He went to a small high school in Greenville with 22 football players. His desire to play college football led him first to Presbyterian, but his love for Clemson led him to transfer to Clemson as a regular student. But that's just the beginning of David's story. You see, David got an email one day about a tryout for the Clemson football team. After many twists and turns and a full year with one snap, David eventually became the starting long snapper for the 2016 National Champions. But I'd also like to think this is more than a story about football, and I think David would agree. It's about how the program at Clemson helped a small kid from a small school in Greenville, South Carolina, live his dream, become a national champion, and a productive member of society. This is David's story, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. On the phone with me today is David Estes, the former long snapper for the Clemson Tigers, a part of that 2016 National Championship team. David, welcome in, and thank you for your time. Marty, thank you again for having me, and uh, more than more than happy to come and share my story, and uh, just really, um, just really share to the fans just kind of my experience with with Clemson, and then what I've been able to do beyond graduation, and all that football has really allowed me to do. Well, yours is a great story. Uh, we talked last year. For those who aren't aware, David shared a story, and as a former Clemson student who walked around campus. Uh, David got a call one day. It's unlike any that uh, I ever received, but we'll get to that in a little while. David, why don't you start out? Tell us about where you went to high school. Um, how big was it? Was it a football factory? And what were your football aspirations uh, when you were in high school? Sure. So um, I went to St. Joseph's Catholic School. Um, it Originally, when I went there, was a skiza school, which is the private school league in South Carolina. Um, but my junior year, that uh, they became a part of the public school league, the South Carolina High School League. Um, my freshman year on the team, or excuse me, my freshman year was our first year ever of football. It was the school's, what would that have been, 15th year of existence, first year of football ever. Um, so needless to say, we definitely had our growing pains. Um, fast forward to my junior year, that was our first year of varsity football. Uh, we, we scratched out two wins that year. They were hard-fought wins um, with all 22 guys that we had on the team. <laughs> Um, and pretty much of those 22 guys that you had about, uh, you had about 18 or so that really, really knew what they were doing. Um, and four guys that were just there, there to have fun. Um, and so it was playing, playing nonstop both ways. Um, really, really uh, taking our growing pains, you could say. Um, but then fast forward to senior year, uh, jumped up. We had four wins, made the playoffs. Um, and it was in between that time the summer between my junior and senior year when i really uh peaked an interest in long snapping um i played center and defensive end and long snapper in high school um but then i knew i had the aspirations wanted to play college football didn't matter where but i knew really my best chance was to really hone in on my skills as a long snapper so went to a few camps uh rubio long snapping camp um actually went to presbyterian's senior elite skills camp um, and Coach Harold Nichols, the head coach at the time, uh, pretty much offered me a preferred walk-on out on the spot. Uh, and lo and behold, fast forward a year, that's where I ended up going when I graduated from St. Joe's. 
Well, here's here's the good news. When there's only 22 guys on the team, you're you're on the two deep. No matter. Yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. That, uh, odds are in your favor with that. <laughs> even even the four guys who were out there were fun. They were on the two deep, or or maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's so, just along for the ride. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's really a great story because you know most of the guys uh, that are recruited to Clemson are not necessarily football factories, but high schools known, larger high schools known for football. Um, I think you. I talked to Stanton second year last year, and uh, he also, of course, went to a private school. Um, they always had football, at least from when I was growing up, Florida Gal, but. Um, just interesting. There's there's at least two of you guys. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, from from private schools. Yes, sir. Yeah, that. Um, yeah, it's definitely a uh, unique experience, I guess you could say, from the high school football perspective. It's not kind of like you alluded to um, some of the college like atmospheres that you get at some of these high schools that you go to. Um, some in South Carolina, mainly in the Georgia, Florida area, but it's definitely got its own quirks that make it special. So you uh, were at Presbyterian for your freshman season. You said you're a preferred walk-on. How did that first semester go, and how did that transpire, and what was your experience on the Presbyterian football team? Sure. So um, got there in July uh, for summer two, started summer workouts with the team and everything, um, and I was just on cloud nine thinking to myself coming from a small small high school football program to getting to play, even though it was FCS, but getting to play Division One football um, and really just trying to absorb as much knowledge as I could. Um, so went through the summer workouts, went through fall camp, and I was the backup um, behind Cannon Jordan, uh, the starting long snapper. Um, so got to travel with the team everything that year. Um, we had our two games. We went to Georgia Tech and we went to um, Vanderbilt. Uh, came, up, came up a little short in those games, but um, it was still really cool being able to experience just playing in those atmospheres. Uh, playing in those big, big environments, those arenas, um, and really learned a lot about uh, myself as a player, but then also as a person off the field as well. Um, had some struggles in the classroom, and it really just wasn't what I knew I was capable of. Um, so I enjoyed my time at Presbyterian, but really didn't feel like maybe that was the place I was meant to be, wasn't necessarily home. Um Growing up a Clemson fan in a Clemson family, uh, my dad having gone there, my grandpa, my grand, excuse me, my mom, um, two of my uncles, pretty much the list goes on. Um, wow. I actually made the transfer from Presbyterian to Clemson um, after one semester. And you were a regular student at Clemson. You didn't transfer as an athlete. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So when I pretty much, uh, and my dad will still talk about this sometimes too. Um, that we were at Western Carolina, um, excuse me, not, uh, not Western Carolina. It was Gardner Webb. Um, it was Presbyterian's last game of the year. And, um, at this point, I pretty much already made the decision that I was going to be transferring and that all I had thought of was that it pretty much hanging up my cleats. Um, and he still says he, my parents were great. They came to every game, no matter if it meant that I was going to be playing or not. Um, that they always made the trip. And so he still rem- tells me how he remembers kind of tearing up, thinking, that, okay, this is, this is the end of the line, that uh, it's been fun, but this is this is it. Um, and so, yeah, I thought that pretty much football was done and going to be going to Clemson to be a fan and um, be a uh, normal student. So take us through the story of how you ended up a national champion. If you're just a regular <laughs> student, 
walking across campus at Clemson. Now, I know part of this story, but you live the dream of so many guys like me walking across campus at Clemson who dreamed of being on the football field one day. How did that happen for David Estes? So it all started the summer before my sophomore year. So that would have been summer of 2013, um, about July or so, that got an email from uh, Coach Mike Dooley uh, saying it was the email that goes out to the entire student body saying that they're having open tryouts um, and that all positions welcome. So I emailed them and said, played at Presbyterian, long snapper. Um, pretty much I think I got just a generic response. Yeah, I'd love to have you come out. Uh, here's the details. Um, so remember, okay, I, I, to be honest, I hadn't snapped in over probably about eight months and then found out about the tryout in two weeks. So started snapping again only two weeks prior to the tryout. Um, so definitely was not at my best then. Um, and was a lot, I weighed about 185 pounds, um, as opposed to my playing weight of around the 205 to 210 range. Um, so jump right off the bat, the odds were not necessarily in my favor, but it's one of those I always try to take on things where you never know if you don't try. Um, and so went to the tryout. Um, there were only two long snappers that were really competing. Um, yeah, I thought I did well. didn't think I did necessarily outstanding, um, but I thought I did well. And then afterwards, uh, Coach Caldwell and Coach Pierman, um, they came up to myself and the other uh, guy that was trying out um, and just said, yeah, thank you guys so much. Um, we're, we're full this year, but uh, but we'll we'll kind of take a look at it and see if we have any room for you in the future. And so Coach Dooley, who kind of handled all the tryouts, he followed up with us the next day and pretty much reiterated the same thing that they were all set for right now. But um, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll be in contact in the future. Um, so still at that point, this was August of 2013. I thought, okay, I can say that I tried. Uh, got to experience wearing a practice jersey, being on the being on the practice field. Um, that pretty much checked that box. Uh, at least I can say I did it and pretty much put it in the back of my mind, really didn't even think uh, anything of it beyond that. Um, but it was the spring of that year, uh, so January 2014, I got a call from Coach Dooley again saying, hey, come down to the West End Zone. Um, now, I think I shared this with you last time as well, that uh, I, <laughs> I was so excited that missed class to go down and do it. Yeah. And went down went down to the West End Zone. Um, Coach Julie met with him and said, yep, pretty much that we're going to let you do a semester-long tryout. Um, and during this time that uh, you're going to go through <clears throat> off-season workouts, mat or all-in drills, um, spring practice, playing the spring game. And then during the exit interviews in the spring, uh, Coach Sweeney will let you know if you made the team or not. Um, basically kind of making it out to what, from what I can remember that Odds are you probably won't make the team, but uh, do you want to try it nonetheless? And, I mean, kind of like I've uh, shared with you previously, that growing up a Clemson fan, just all the history of having my family with it, that it was a no-brainer of, yes, sign me up. Um, this is it's kind of trite maybe, but they wanted to make sure you were all in, basically. All in without, without the scholarship, you were all in. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that it was it was honestly one of those where, because um, they said that, yeah, we'll be, we'll be in contact in the next few weeks. Um, and a few weeks had gone by, and I was getting a little nervous. And, oh, my gosh, I haven't heard anything. Did they, did they just decide to forget about me? Um, and a few weeks into it, a few weeks into January, did get called. 
went through kind of the end processing, getting some gear and everything. And I still remember pretty much none of the sizes were right. But as the new walk-on, I was not about to say that I <laughs> I needed a different size gym short or a different size shoe or anything. Oh, oh yeah, and, it, fits, um, it, it fits perfectly. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that double XL, I'll just wrap it on my waist a few times and roll it up a few times. Um, but no, went through went through winter workouts. Um, went through mat or mat drills, or we call them all in drills. Um, and really going into it, I knew that yes, I I know I'm a good player, but at the same time that I want to be able to distinguish myself to the coaches and then to the other players on the team through through my effort. The one thing that I know I can control. Um, and so right from the get go, did all that I could in that regard in the workouts, um, in the mat, in the all in drills and uh, really accomplished the mission in that regard that at the very last all-in drill, um, well, after all the all-in drills, Coach Sweeney will pull everybody up and then give an all-in poker chip um, to whoever he thinks really exuded the best effort that day. And I, I still remember it vividly that he says, yep, and number number uh, 61, because um, that, was, that was my number then, number 61, and I don't even know this kid's name yet, but he's out here busting his butt. That and then what's your name, son? David Estes. There you go, Estes. And so, uh, what did so that, that? What did that feel like? Oh did, my gosh! Did, that we got back to the car and called my dad right away. And so, <laughs> and no, it was it was just it won. I mean, on a realistic standpoint, that it was nice to see that my hard work was being noticed. But then on a on the the fanboy kind of cloud nine side, that just um, okay, this is this is real. That I mean, it was kind of immaterial, a bit of a dream beforehand. But this is this is real, really a possibility, and just really made me work that much harder. Um, so went into spring practice, and everything went well. Thankfully, um, went into the spring game, and uh, Bradley Pinion was my punter. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, if you if you overshoot him as Six six foot six that you don't you don't deserve to be out here in the first place. So uh, everything went well in the spring game, and then that Tuesday following the game, uh, we had our exit interviews, and Coach Sweeney had told me that I'd made the team. Um, and so again, it was one of those moments where you just you want to jump up and give him a great big hug. We just have to sit there and okay, yes sir, thank you, thank you, and um, and yeah, no, went and. Uh, had a celebratory lunch with my with my family that day, and then um, and yeah, the rest kind of got started with our summer workouts. Um, so I started. At, oh, I'm sorry. At this point, at this excuse me for interrupting. At this point, you were still a walk on, correct? Yes. So I, I was a walk. Yep. Uh, just a regular regular walk on, and backed up Michael Tabeski and Jim Brown as the third team snapper in 2014. Uh, got all of one snap. Um, against uh, South Carolina State for an extra point. It was the last touchdown of the game. Um, and then, uh, but to me, I mean, it was a, it was like it was for the national championship that because uh, I knew that was probably going to be the only one I got that year. And we'll get back to the show in just a second. But I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our sponsor, Lion J. Lion J was founded by former Tiger J.K.J. and Jennings Lion. Lion J provides a dynamic and seasoned development team with hundreds of millions of dollars in combined experience. Lion J also has a team of experts that provide top-of-class ability when it comes to financial underwriting, debt and capital stacks, site selection, entitlement, construction, and construction management of each project. Lion J is a multifaceted 
opportunistic development firm that develops projects in the areas of multifamily, lot development for the publicly traded builders, senior housing, retail, and hospitality investments located throughout the South. Please contact Lion J with any development needs or sites that you would like to submit for development. You can also find them at lionj.com. That's L-Y-O-N-J-A-Y.com. Now back to the show. And just really trying to prepare myself for whenever that moment came. Um, so that's all I got that year. I got some good experience really being in the pressure of being there at practice, feeling the game day environment as a player. Um, fast forward into 2015, was backing up Jim Brown, played against Appalachian State, played against Miami, and then uh, unexpectedly um, got thrown into the game against North Carolina in the ACC championship. Okay. So uh, if I remember, Jim Brown was concussed that game? He was, yes, sir. So, uh, yeah, we, we'll, we'll joke about it now that thankfully he's okay. Um, but at halftime, uh, he comes to me and says, SD is that, man, I, I'm pretty messed up, but I, I don't think that, um, I'm gonna be able to play the second half. And pretty much I was scared to death thinking, oh my gosh, what the heck that, uh, <laughs> this is now really for real. Um, and that I didn't say this to him, but pretty much thinking, Jim, now nah, I, I think you're fine that you, you should be able to go back out there and, Anyways, just kind of getting in that game mode, though, of uh, thinking, okay, internalize this, that you're going to be fine. Um, Coach Sweeney comes over to me and says, yep, Jim's out. You ready? I said, yes, sir, let's do it. And so uh, go out on the field, um, start doing my pregame warm-ups. And I, I still remember my dad, I, knew, I always knew where my pants were sitting, um, just kind of as a comfort thing. And I could tell he was knew that Jim wasn't out there and he throws up his arms kind of like a what's going on and i just threw up a big thumbs up and he started fist pumping like okay let's do it right. so uh so yeah the second half um again thankfully went off without a hitch um I, the one vivid memory i have from it is we kicked a field goal i think it was maybe with two minutes left is maybe a 25 yard field goal from the left hash so nothing crazy but it was pretty much to solidify the game. And <laughs> I, I got a little too excited and I went up and headbutted Seth Ryan afterwards. And he's like, man, you got to chill out. You got to chill out. Right. The so, old veteran no. Seth Ryan telling you, uh, chill, exactly. chill out. Exactly. What, you know, what strikes me just to step back to 2014, I believe your first season when you got yep. the one staff against South Carolina state is I, I don't know that everybody realizes the amount of work that you put in just to make the team to start with, but then to get just that one snap. But hearing you walk through it, all the drills, you're going through the drills, right, that everybody else is going yep. through, and all of that, and you get one snap. It's just an amazing thing, and I think I think uh, us fans need to realize how much work you guys put in just to be on the team. Coach Sweeney, Coach Sweeney always tells us that we need to run our race to win, um, and he really wants us to focus on our role. So in that regards, in 2014, I knew that my role was to be supportive for both Michael Sebesky, the starter, Jim, whenever he got in, and then whenever my moment was called, be ready. And that really brings us to another point of um, always being ready. Coach Sweeney continuously preaches 
always being ready for when your number's called. Um, and so whether that be in 2014 when I got uh, one snap or in 2015 when Jim was concussed and went down at halftime and then I, I had to come in, in the second half. Um, and that was something he would continuously preach to everyone on the team. Just always be ready for when your number's called. You never know when that's going to be. Okay, so you got to play in the ACC championship game. You guys beat Oklahoma in the first round of the playoff, and you're headed to the national championship game. And it's about this time. Help me remember when you got your scholarship exactly, and take me through the, you know, you see the videos on YouTube of, of scholarships being handed out. Take me through that process and what you were feeling and also how you let your parents know that, hey, you're on I'm on scholarship, mom and dad. You don't have to pay <laughs> you don't have to pay for me anymore. So yeah, so it was um the week before we went out to Arizona for the national championship. Um and that after after practice it was completely unexpected. The coach Swinney said, Yeah, we've got uh when he pull, pulled everyone up, we've got six scholarships available for, for the upcoming year. Um and really put into a lot of uh, thought and deliberation into whom, who's going to get these. And then he started listing out the names. Um, and then when he called my name, it was just completely unexpected. That uh, really had no idea that it was coming, no expectation, anything of that nature. Um, so I was I was just awestruck at first. Um, really didn't know what to think. Uh, pretty much it was just a big love fest of everybody that got them. Went up to Chris Swinney, thank you so much, Coach Pierman. Uh, thank you as well, and just all of that kind of stuff. We get back to the locker room, and it, uh, it was pretty much the party was on. That uh, <laughs> really cool, just to see the guys who have been playing Andy Teasdall, Jim Brown, um, all the specialists, really just showing appreciation um, for me being being able to celebrate with me, being able to celebrate with my brothers, just um, all that accomplishment, and just being so thankful that all my hard work had been recognized. Um, and then when I tried to call my parents, I called my dad, got his voicemail, called my mom, got her voicemail. She's like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? The times that you don't have your phone. Um, <laughs> and so finally just called my grandpa and finally got him, and he was he was overjoyed. And so then I get a call back from my parents. They were together. It was on speakerphone. Um, and so told them. and. Basically, the way I told them is, yeah, be, be on the lookout for a uh, X amount, thousand dollar check coming in. What? Yeah, you're, you're Clemson sending your your money back. What do you mean? And then, oh, I got put on scholarship. Oh my gosh! And that was pretty much the party was on with them again too. So that nice. um, no, it was it was just part of, and I, I've said it before to describe just my overall experience. That was just another facet of what I've considered my whole Clemson experience is the living the dream aspect. Um, being able to, one, make the team, playing a game, playing the ACC championship game, and then being able to be put on scholarship, uh, just continuing to build towards that of me being able to live that dream. So there, there's no uh, Verizon moment where, you know, you pick up your Verizon phone. You, you're not doing any Verizon commercials where you call your mom and dad on FaceTime and they answer, and I'm on scholarship. <laughs> no, I, we didn't get one of those. Yeah, maybe if they would have picked up the first time, that would have come through. But, it, was, uh, it, it was voicemail. <laughs> exa exactly, exactly. Well, maybe so, yeah, you can do a voicemail like commercial. You can do a voicemail <laughs> yeah. commercial. Um, well, it's about to get better for David Estes, right? Because in 2016, 
you're going to end up as the starting long snapper. Did you start the season as the starting long snapper? How did that work out? So we came into camp. Um, it was I was the number one on the depth chart for both punts and field goals. Um, but as camp kind of got to the halfway point, um, Coach Caldwell and Coach Pierman that they uh, had the thoughts of wanting to do kind of split duties um, like I know they did the past two years. And so they wanted to have me do punts and have Austin Spence um, do field goals. And so we kind of continued to battle it out through uh, through the rest of camp. Um, and then from what I was told, at least, that just because I had had the experience of playing in a game um, and Austin had been redshirted the year previously, that Coach Sweeney kind of made the, the overarching decision that he wanted me to start be the starter for both field goals and punts. Um, going into the Auburn game. So, yeah, exactly, that going into week one that I was the starter on both units. Okay, so Auburn, uh, obviously a big game. In the first game of the season, you guys are the national runners-up, as it were. Um, had a 10-3 to lead at halftime. And early in the third quarter, you guys got into field goal range. And, uh, of course, the drive stalled, and you had to kick the field goal or had to attempt a field goal. Now, I looked at this last night again, just to refresh myself, <laughs> and uh, you snapped it high. And as I recall our conversation last year, Seth Ryan is, is one of your best friends. Uh, yes. Yep. You, and you, you became an even high. better friend that day. <laughs> <laughs> your best friend that day. You snapped it high. He snatched it out of the air, and, and Greg Hugel kicked it like it was a perfect snap. Now, I noticed you guys running off the field celebrating. Like nothing had happened. Did you know? That, <laughs> did you know the ball was high when you snapped it? Yeah, Marty. And in in an effort to keep this uh, G rated, I will leave out what I said as soon as I let the ball go. Um, but that it's one of those where as a long snapper, and you talk to any other guy, you know when certain things happen. If it's going to be a good snap or a bad snap, you don't even have to look at it. And for some reason, that my butt popped up. And I know this, This for anyone that doesn't understand the position, the, the technique, the finesse of it, they'll be like, what the heck is he talking about? He's just throwing <laughs> the ball between his legs. But I felt my butt, butt pop up. And as soon as I did that, because when your butt pops up, your legs shoot up and your hands follow thus the high snap. Right. And as soon as I kind of went through my follow through, I was like, oh, Lord, this is not good. And, um, but I did see Seth grab it. And then the next thing I knew, I just looked out and said, Oh, thank goodness that it, it, <laughs> it was but, to the upright. Well, you did a great job of acting like it was a perfect snap because you just turned around and started running off the field and, and also noticed that, uh, Coach Sweeney gave the international sign for, uh, it's various things. It's obviously for a high snap or, <laughs> you know, the ball was too high for pass interference. Everybody knows the sign I'm talking about. And he, yep. He said something to you. I don't. You don't have to tell us what he said to you, but I noticed you did not say anything to him. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> oh, you just kept going. Yep. Well, it's one of those, and I I remember it as well that he just that's high, that's high, get that down. Like, and because one thing to everyone listening, I mean, everybody knows Coach Sweeney um, is a very spiritual man, but that really reflects in his coaching as well. He's not a guy that's going to dog cuss you. I mean, and even if I was to over snap, snap it way over his head, he's not somebody that would tear into me in that regard um, on the sideline. So that was always a nice reassurance coming back to. But with that, he was just yelling at me, telling it was high. 
And I mean, kind of one of those where you know that nothing you say is, you know what you did. There's nothing you say can say that uh, is going to make up for it. And so it was just a yes, sir, and keep on keep my head down and keep on running back to the bench. Right. Find find somewhere to to hide. Um, exactly. And we, as a specialist, we usually would say that we would have a saying um, that it was Fido, uh, forget it and drive on. And so that whether it be a good snapper kick, good uh, or bad snapper kick, it's just Fido. Okay, Fido. And so that was pretty much what guys would just be saying to me over on the on the sideline. Okay, okay, yep, yep, we're good, we're good. And so, um, yeah, thankfully, pretty much that was the only uh, real hiccup I had during the season. And yeah, like you said, that Seth, uh, I still owe him that stake I promised him after the game. Um, well, you, so you, thank you, you for better, reminding me about that. You better pay up, Seth Ryan. Uh, you deserve a snake, a snake, a snake, a stake because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was ten to three at that point. If that ball goes over his head, you know, oh, yeah. who, knows, who knows what happens. Yeah. And uh I appreciate you being willing to talk about that. Um because, you know, we're sitting we're sitting at home as fans going, Whoa, did you see that snap? Look and the first focus was on Seth's play, honestly, at least for me. Yeah. Because it was a field goal, it was points, you know. Um and so, and that put it put Clemson up by ten. So that was my first focus. And then when I saw Dabo say something to you, I was like, I wonder what he said. And I, <laughs> I wonder what. So let thanks for letting us know. Yeah. So you, and you you guys ended up making it all the way to the championship game again and winning that championship this time with, of course, the Hunter Renfro catch. Uh, oh yeah. On the beautiful, the most one of the most beautiful plays in Clemson history, but. There was a point during that final drive where you and Seth and Greg Hugel thought, you know what, this might come down to us to tie this game to go to overtime. So walk us through that. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I remember after Alabama scored, um, pretty much that was when we all came back together, and the, th- the three of us, uh, Seth, Greg, and myself, um, just huddled up, and no one was really – too full of emotion, either positive or negative, just real calmly, hey, this might come down to us. We, we got this, right? As a collective, yeah, you know it, yep, let's do it. And so pretty much each of us had our own <clears throat> pre-game routines, and by pre-game I mean like pre-play routines, I guess you could say. Um, and so really just went about our normal business as if it were the first quarter. Um, so having said that, while you were actively showing that calm and collectiveness, um, on the outward that it was like the old analogy of it's a duck with its uh, legs paddling underneath water that looks calm and collected on top, but just paddling as tough as you can underneath. And so that, that was pretty much the emotions I was going through uh, that during that drive. Um, As we inched closer and closer, um, it became more real that, Oh my gosh, this really might come down to a field goal, a snap I've made in my life several thousand times. Um, but just making sure it's perfect on this one. Um, and so we all, we were all huddled together, ready for it to happen. And then, cause I mean, if Hunter didn't catch the ball, if it was incomplete, whatever, if something had happened that didn't happen, um, that we would pretty much had to go out there and kick it. However, as we all know, um, he caught the ball and the rest is history, but we were, I still remember, we were, <laughs> we were all so excited that happened that almost forgot that we had to go out there and kick the extra point. And yeah. so, uh, so we, yeah, we, we collected our emotions, went out there, uh, 
good snap, good hold, good kick, put to the upright, and then yeah, the the rest was history, and let let the let the party begin. So at that moment, David Estes, private school, twenty two players on the team, <laughs> preferred walk on at Presbyterian, regular Clemson student, walk on Clemson football player, scholarship Clemson football player. Third string long snapper. <laughs> you go through this whole process, and you think about all the stages you went through. It's David S- David Estes national champion. It's just that's just a remarkable story to me. And what I'm trying to explain the best you can what you felt like when Hunter caught that ball, and you guys were national champions. It was everything in the culmination of. Uh, of the excuse me, the culmination of me being that little kid screaming his head off at the when uh Rod Gardner caught the ball in the two thousand Clemson Carolina game, just going crazy there, all the way up to me being the kid in high school who's like, Okay, there's never any chance that I'll be able to play at Clemson. I'm not what they're looking for to when I was able to go to the tryout, to hear that I walked on, playing in the ACC championship game, earning the starter, it was pretty much all of that just flashing before my eyes and just thinking, um, is this real? And to be honest, just being so thankful that saying, God, that this this had to have been you that did this, that I know that my I was not capable of being able to do this alone and just thank you for letting me be able to live this dream and I, I, to be honest, aside from that, I really didn't know what to think. That it was all just a blur, and just so thankful it, for what everything that when it fell into place to make that happen. I mean, and you know, the work as we talked about earlier, the work you put in just for that one snap in 2014, um, much less 15 and 16 to get to that point is just incredible. I think. As I said, sometimes as fans, we just think, oh, they, you know, he messed up that play and he needs to practice that like like you don't practice long snapping, right? Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I just appreciate the, you know, the amount of work and dedication it took to get to that point. It's just, that's why I wanted you to come back on and tell your story again, because I think it's it's incredible. If you think about, it, like I said, you were at a high school with 22 players and, you went to Presbyterian, nothing against Presbyterian. I think I told you last time my my uh, nephew was a long snapper, actually, at Lenore Ryan. So nothing okay. against yep. Presbyterian, but one day you're you're out there against Lenore Ryan and, and whoever, and the next you know couple of years later, you're playing in the national championship game. So well, it's just a remarkable journey. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And, um, no, and on top of all of that, it really was just a – obviously a huge victory on the exterior, but really a huge victory for me personally as well. Kind of like I shared with you last time that I almost didn't want to come back for my senior year because I could have graduated uh, in four years and not four and a half um, and didn't really want to come back. Didn't really know if, to be honest, I didn't know if I trusted myself enough to put myself out there and, think that I could perform the way that it was expected of a starting player on the Clemson football team to perform to that perfection, to that standard week in and week out. Um, but when Coach Sweeney awarded me that scholarship, I, I, to be honest, I really felt like that was God's way of saying, nope, you're, you're staying here from this year, that this is the plans I have for you. 
um, and kind of forwarding that back up to, uh, or fast forwarding that to every year at camp, Coach Sweeney always wants us to, uh, to kind of pick something that is really going to define the year, whether that be a word or a saying or anything like that. And my, what I picked for that year, knowing kind of what I was coming into of how I'd felt just trusting that God had me in, throughout the season, um, it was going to, it was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans not to harm you and plans to give you hope in a future. And really having that national championship, being able being the culminating event for that whole season, I, I just couldn't have asked for anything more. It's just it's you know I've uh, talked to a few a few guys a few players and and they all have unique and um, great stories of in one form or fashion or another, uh, and I just enjoy talking to to you guys so much to. You'll find out your stories, but yours is right up there, man. <laughs> yours is right up there. So you graduated from Clemson, as you said. What came after Clemson? After after that high that national championship, now you got to go find a job, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and so yeah, that it was uh, it was a little bit of a um, interesting period there, right after, kind of like you said, that coming off that high and just the kind of personality that I am. I'm always okay. Well, well, what's next? What am I going to go try to do now? Um, like, how am I going to push the limits in a sense now? Um, and at first, I really didn't have that great opportunity, great job lined up right away. Um, and my parents very thankful for them for allowing me that flexibility. Being in Greenville, uh, lived lived at home for for a few months. Um, worked for a friend's landscaping company. Um, that spring and then that summer, uh, there was an opening for a postgraduate internship opportunity with JMI Sports, um, Clemson's, uh, multimedia rights and corporate partnerships firm. Um, and so went to work for them, worked for them, uh, throughout the year, um, and gained a lot of great experience. I actually worked with, uh, Eric McLean, um, our new, uh, in-house ESPN celebrity. Superstar. Um, Exactly, exactly. And so I uh, worked with him, learned a lot from him, learned a lot from other people I was working there with as well. Um, kind of the, the ins and outs of the business side. I really knew everything there was to know about the athletic side of Clemson Athletics, obviously being a player, but then learning more about the front office, everything that went on that makes everything happen on game day that we as the fans or we as the players don't really know about that goes on. Um, so learned a lot from that opportunity. <clears throat> July of 2018, um, actually took an, another uh, job with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I had a postgraduate internship opportunity again with them um, and the corporate partnerships as well. And so I wanted to really learn, knew, knew uh, somewhat about the college front office, wanted to expand upon that and go uh, kind of delve into what the inner workings of a pro football front office would be like. Um, so went down there, spent the 2018 season with the Buccaneers, um, met some great people, formed some great relationships, um, and really learned a lot about kind of who I was as a professional in terms of that this uh, – let, let's let's scratch that. Let's back up okay. to, um, okay. to go into – let's see. 
Um, yeah, do you mind if we start back at, at July 20 of 18, yet went down to Tampa? That's fine. Start right wherever you want. Okay. So, yep. So, in July of 2018, um, I actually had an opportunity to move down to Tampa to work for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they have a internship program where recent college grads um, come in and learn the positions of their front office. And so, having experience in corporate partnerships from Clemson, um, I came down and worked in their corporate partnerships department, um, formed some great relationships, and really kind of expanded upon my knowledge to include what goes on in the uh, NFL front offices. Um, and so spent the whole 2018 season with them, then moved from there to take a full-time position with the Tampa Bay Rays um, and actually worked for them in group, suite, and season ticket sales. Um, being having the long-term goal of wanting to be an athletic director that I really wanted to be able to have experience in a bunch of different areas of the front office of whether that be a pro sports team, college sports team, what have you. But having no sales experience, um, wanted to go in and uh, really get my hands dirty with that so that one day when I'm leading a sales force, leading a front office, that I'll know what I'm talking about and have that real-world experience to, to back up what I'm saying. Wow. Uh, so national championship in Tampa, and then you, <laughs> you, you end up spending some time in Tampa. Another interesting twist in the in the, in your life. So uh, what's up now with David Estes? What are you up to these days? So uh, I wanted to mix things up again. Um, I'm actually back in South Carolina now. Um, I am a 1L, uh, so a first-year law student at the Charleston School of Law. Um, this was going to law school was something that I've always um, wanted to do, had aspirations to do, um, and kind of seeing the path that uh, that our former athletic director Terry Don Phillips took um, to going to get his law degree, helping propel him to becoming an athletic director, having that same goal of being a Division One athletic director, I felt like that would uh, really benefit me um, to be able to get to where I wanted to go. Um, so actually, the wasn't something I even thought would come to fruition this year um, that I had the opportunity to, I thought I'd missed the deadline, but got an email saying that Charleston was still accepting applications, um, took the LSAT in June and uh, found out I was accepted and uh, got it. Yeah. Found out I was accepted in July and then, uh, yeah, moved up here about two weeks ago and just finished the first week of class. So, well, you know, I, I was going to say, you and those emails, you get an email to try out for a Clemson football team. <laughs> you get an email by law school. So emails have played a, an important part in the, in your life. Exactly. Yes, sir. So, yeah, always uh, always kind of looking out for what's next. And, um, no, kind of in – I'm a very, I'm a very spiritual person. I really believe that when God wants something to happen in your life, he'll send you signs that this is where you're meant to be. Um, and really, I took that as so when I got that email that, okay, this is really something I need to pay attention to now. Um, and even after applying and everything, I just been promoted with the raise. Um, I thought, okay, that if I go to law school, still part of my plan, but I can always defer things until next year. Um, but actually was gracious, was um, lucky enough to be able to be awarded a scholarship. Um, to come up here, and so I was like, okay, that does it. That this is definitely the sign that I'm meant to do this now. And um, packed up, 
packed up my bags and uh, moved, moved home to South Carolina and just really, really happy to be starting down this path now. Timing is everything. Hey, you know, David, I started this podcast up again, and, you know, we're going to talk football, and I'll talk football with Brandon Rankin-Tigernet in a couple of days about the opening game. But I also wanted to be about more than football. I wanted to be about the stories, your story, uh, JKJ's story, whoever uh, will agree to be on to tell their stories. Yours is one of my favorites. Uh, right up there because of everything that had to fall into place for you to be there uh, in Tampa in January of 2017. But to close this up, and you've been very gracious with your time. I've taken you away from studying, but so I'll get you out of here. But to close this up, could you just kind of summarize uh, what Clemson, that whole experience from being a student to student athlete to a national champion, what all that has meant to you? Uh, well, Marty, I'm, I'll do my best. I'll give you that. Um, that, And I know I've touched on this before, but to really reiterate just what all has meant to me is I, I can't summarize it, summarize it any better than saying it was truly just living the dream that I had always hoped for, that I was that kid that had uh, – had his Woody Dantzler jersey, was playing in his plastic Clemson football helmet in the backyard, um, getting to stay up late to watch even Clemson basketball, Clemson baseball games um, on weeknights during school. Coming in um, in high school, still having that that hope that, okay, maybe this might be the opportunity, um, knowing that probably it wasn't likely that you were going to be able to, to play at Clemson, um, to then going to Presbyterian, going to Clemson, and kind of like you, you said, that everything falling into place, um, I really have no other way to describe it other than, like I said, living living a dream and just really prayers that were answered. And um, one thing, if I've tried to kind of use my story to help other people, is that whether it be football, whether it be anything that you're doing in your life, that never, never lose that dream, that I – like I said, if you had asked me while I was at St. Joseph's or even at Presbyterian that, yep, you'll like you'll be a national champion and a starter on the national championship team, I'd have told you you were crazy. Um, but it, that whole experience just taught me so much about about faith and about never losing faith. And I, it has paid so many dividends even beyond the scope of football and beyond my time at Clemson. Um, and I've seen just some of the ways that being able to tell people about kind of the ways that we did things at Clemson, some of the the ways Coach Sweeney has expressed things to us, some of his sayings, how those can affect people in my job in Tampa, now here at law school, even only been here a week, um, that what we've got going up at Clemson is something special, and it goes beyond the scope of football, so far beyond that. And I think that people – outside of the Clemson family are starting to realize that. And it, it's amazing to see how far it's grown. And to quote Coach Sweeney, that the best is yet to come, that I truly believe that that this is we're just scraping the surface of all that we're capable of. And I think it's because, oh, I know it's because that we're doing things the right way, that when you focus on bringing in these young men of character, teaching them how to be young men who – 
not only succeed on the field, but are going to be great dads, great husbands, great people in their community, that that's the reason why the winning on the field is taking care of itself. Um, and again, to summarize basically my whole experience, that to quote John Gordon, he's a motivational speaker that would come and uh, he would speak to us. He speaks to many other teams. Um, he would use the metaphor of he says an energy bus uses that to describe um, to describe how a person should kind of carry about their day. Coach Sweeney would take that and transform it into what he would say. There's four wheels on the bus of being a student athlete, or really you can take that and say four wheels on being the bus of a person. That you've got the athletic wheel, the academic wheel, the social wheel, and the spiritual wheel. And he said that it is our responsibility as coaches, as a Clemson football program, to make sure that you all, the student athletes, that we're helping you keep those wheels inflated all the time. Because if one of those wheels goes flat, you're not going anywhere. And so that is how I've kind of tried to be able to continue living my life, that always being able to make sure that my wheels are inflated and trying to keep the wheels of all the other people around me inflated as well. And so that's just a small reference as to what Clemson has done for me, continues to do for me. Um, and I know it's going to be even bigger moving forward. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's David Estes. We're going to let him get back to studying uh, studying law, but he has lived the dream at Clemson, and he's still living the dream. David, thank you so much for taking time out to talk. Um, it is a great story, one of my favorites, um, just incredible journey, and thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Yes, sir. Well, Marty, it's always a pleasure getting on here, and thank you for the work you're doing to be able to share stories of people like me and other play all, all of my former teammates. Um, and thank you to the fans for being able to give us this platform to be able to listen and uh, for us to share the stories for y'all. And go Tigers.